From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, November 15th. It's mid-November, and that means the local team at the Utah Avalanche Center is back in the office and the field. As they gear up for the winter recreation season, we checked in with Avalanche forecaster Eric Trenbeth about our local snowpack and typical conditions. Now, something that I'm curious about from your perspective, what distinguishes our type of winter recreation here in this corner of the state from, you know, Mm. northern Utah, right? This is kind of a unique experience down here for winter recreators. It's a very unique experience. You know, we have a hardcore, dedicated local group of backcountry skiers, but we also have, you know, cross-country skiers utilizing the groomed trails. Mm-hmm. We have people going up there to cut Christmas trees. We have mm-hmm. people with their kids sledding on the, on the right. you know, the small hills up mm-hmm. there. It's a real treasure for the desert people to have this small access to, to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like up in the Wasatch or something like that, it's just such a hardcore and even crowded backcountry right. ski. We call it Los Angeles now, and I grew up <laughs> up there, and it's gotten, you know, <laughs> quite, quite crowded uh-huh. in the backcountry. So we still have a, a pretty unique small-time feel down here, even though you might see 50 cars at the Geyser Pass Winter Trailhead on the weekends. You'll probably know half the people there, and that's that's really unique. It's a really tight-knit community, and when we do get outsiders coming, they 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 actually sense that, you know, mm. when they're hanging out, so, right. mm-hmm. and, and, you know, even if the conditions are dangerous, and you don't get to go ski the deepest powder all the time, because we have a very different snowpack than, mm-hmm. say, the Wasatch, um, you know, to, to go up there and see Canyonlands from high alpine peaks is something you're not going to find anywhere. Totally unique experience. You know, your position is really important, because you're all about preventing people getting stuck out in dangerous conditions. What are some of the difficulties that we encounter in our region and our mountains? Well, our region has uh, what's known as a a continental snowpack, which Mm -hmm. is a very shallow, weak snowpack. It's counterintuitive to think that would create avalanche conditions Mm -hmm. because, right, obviously more snow, you get more avalanches, right? Mm -hmm. But more snow makes a deeper, stronger snowpack. And so during avalanche cycles, you're only really concerned with what we call new snow or the most recent snow that fell overnight landing on the old snow mm-hmm. surface. And that could be, you know, six inches deep, 12 inches deep. But here, if you have a, a weak layer that forms near the base of the snowpack, and then throughout the season, you keep adding layers on top of it. And now you've got three feet down there. You can have dangerous deep avalanches for, for much of the season. And people come here... Um, from other areas where the snowpack is stronger, and and they don't realize that. And our terrain here is also, um, there's no moderate terrain. You know, 30 degrees and above Mm -hmm. is the avalanche angle. And so one way to stay safe is to keep your slope angles at 30 degrees or less, regardless of what the avalanche conditions Mm -hmm. are, right? And we don't have a lot of terrain like that unless it's really flat. Mm -hmm. And really flat isn't enough to make powder turns you kind of need like a 20 to 30 degree Mm -hmm. slope to Mm -hmm. actually do downhill type turns on and here it's kind of go big or go home we have very limited moderate what we call moderate terrain so that's another challenge and people come down here especially if you are used to skiing big lines in the wasatch or the tetons and you Mm -hmm. come down here we have huge beautiful lines but they're often not something you want to get on in the middle of the winter so you know who is most at risk i guess like what type of recreation is at risk you know out there in the mountains so backcountry skiers and snowmobilers you know one Mm -hmm. thing we want to let people know is cross-country skiing on the groom trails Mm -hmm. here in the la salle you are not going to be in danger of 
avalanche terrain. We have a sign at the trailhead that says, you know, warning avalanche terrain beyond this point. It's a beacon checker sign and it's got a flashing red light. And if you walk past it with your beacon on, it turns green. And we don't want people to see that and think that they can't just go cross country skiing up the road because they can. Mm -hmm. But once you leave the road and you get into, you know, steeper terrain, that's where the problems start. And so it's people with heavier backcountry gear, they're skinning up, they're climbing peaks, they're looking for something to ski down, mm. similar to like what you do at a downhill ski area, except for without the mad rush for powder, because here you're in the backcountry, you have your right. own. And snow machines now are getting so much more powerful and, you know, they have amazing handling and they, right. they do incredible things mm-hmm. now. And so these folks are getting into much steeper avalanche prone training. And that's what our last fatality in the range was, was a, was a snowmobiler. The Utah Avalanche Center and you in particular, I mean, if you Google your name, Eric Trenbeth, um, you've been out there like year after year getting people information, educational resources. Yeah. You know, I've had this job twice now yeah. and the first time I had it was... 1999 to mm-hmm. uh, 2003. I mean, back then the program was always even in question, right? And mm-hmm. and and perhaps understandably so. It was all part of of Grand County and uh, Moab trying to promote Moab as a year round tourist destination. And mm-hmm. so the history of that goes back to the county was going to plow the road and they were going to promote. Um, the travel council was going to promote winter recreation, mm-hmm. and the Forest Service for their part, would put up an avalanche center. And so that's how it got started. More information, of course, at utahavalanchecenter.org. Oh, you can also follow us on Instagram, utavi underscore Moab. And there is where you post, you know, like epic pictures, right? (laughs) (laughs) All of educational purposes, of course. (laughs) Sure. Um, We do, you know, post little video (laughs) forecasts of what we've seen out there, upcoming events, storms Mm -hmm. incoming, just information that we think people need to know. Eric Chenbeth, forecaster with the Utah Avalanche Center. We spoke with Eric during This Week in Moab on Monday, and you can find the entire interview on kzmu.org or the KZMU Public Affairs podcast. The Utah Avalanche Center has a few events coming up in early December right here in Moab, including an educational know-before-you-go presentation and a fundraiser party. Find that information at utahavalanchecenter.org. A rally honoring Great Salt Lake recently brought Native and youth voices to Utah's Capitol Hill. Amy Van Tatenhove with our partners at Utah Public Radio reports. We were born in water. We were delivered in water. We know what water is. Water sustains us from our conception. And water sustains us as we go throughout life. Goshoot Chair Virgil Johnson shared the life-giving importance of water at a rally honoring Great Salt Lake. Despite the fall chill, the rally drew in people of all ages, some adorned with bird puppets or dressed in brine shrimp costumes, to the Utah Capitol steps. Sarah Woodbury, USU Environment and Society graduate student and an organizer for the event, summed up the scene. We're gathered here today for Native and Youth Voices honoring Great Salt Lake. We have a group of speakers and performers, youth and Indigenous voices, um, three tribes represented here today, calling for a flourishing Great Salt Lake in the future. Barring another unusually wet winter, Great Salt Lake is expected to reach a new low next summer, further shrinking important wetland habitat for millions of birds and blowing toxic dust onto communities across the Wasatch Front. Event organizer Will Munger, also a graduate student in USU's Department of Environment and Society, remains hopeful. 
there's been some real progress in terms of legislation, in terms of science, but there also have been some steps that we really have thought that are important. And to hear that energy from the next generation who are going to be living with the impacts of the policy that is created today is really important. So that's really what kind of brought people out here today uh, is to center those youth and Indigenous voices. In addition to speakers and music, event organizers asked rally participants to break into talking circles to discuss what's been done to help the lake so far and how to move forward as Utah's population and thirst grows. Becca Black, BYU student and member of Grow the Flow, an initiative of environmental nonprofit Conserve Utah Valley, says she appreciates the chance to discuss the threats Great Salt Lake faces. I love the opportunities here to sit in circles and discuss real issues that are going on and how we can be part of those solutions. Native and marginalized voices have been largely left out of talks about Great Salt Lake's future. A common discussion point across the talking circles was how to elevate voices of local tribes, youth, and communities west of I-15, who are already seeing impacts from development and blowing lake dust. As young people who live and depend on this watershed, we all have such a responsibility to use our voices to get water and get love directed towards the lake. The organizers hope to use the takeaways from discussions at the rally to elevate marginalized voices, engage with stakeholders, and pursue new legislation and conservation initiatives to get water back to Great Salt Lake. I'm Amy Van Tatenhove. A new federal report on climate change covers the impact of water shortages in the Colorado River Basin. Alex Hager, with our partners at KUNC, reports on the findings from the 5th National Climate Assessment. Human-caused climate change is fundamentally altering the water cycle. In the West, that means a 24% reduction to the amount of annual snow by the year 2050. That means people will have to adapt. Heidi Steltzer is a professor of environment at Fort Lewis College in Colorado. If we don't have a lot of snow in any given winter or over a 5- or 10-year stretch, where and how can we shift to some of these behaviors that ensure everybody has enough, even if it's not as much as we used to have? The report also highlights the impact of climate change on native tribes. In the southwest, indigenous people often experience the first and worst effects of the region's shrinking water supply. I'm Alex Hager. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, November 15th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.